Welcome to Rise and Thrive, Conversations for Greatness. We bring you captivating conversations with extraordinary individuals who have conquered challenges, achieved greatness, and are making a positive impact in the world. This is your go-to source for inspiration and motivation. I'm your host, John Merkis. Rise and Thrivers, get ready for an enlightening episode as we welcome a truly inspiring guest to the show. Today, I have the pleasure of hosting a thought leader, change expert, author, speaker, facilitator, mindset nudger. Yes, we're going to get our mindsets nudged and the co-founder of the Agile Change Leadership Institute. Not just an expert, but a finalist in the Australian Business Book Awards, showcasing her exceptional contributions to the field. Her passion lies in understanding human behavior, the good, the bad, and the downright ugly. <laughs> With a career spanning over two decades, she has delved into the intricacies of how we are hardwired to learn and change. Our guest today possesses the unique ability to bring out the best in others, guiding them towards those aha moments that spark transformation. Her skill in challenging audiences just enough to nudge them out of their comfort zones to foster breakthrough thinking and action, action even is amazing. As the co-founder of the Agile Change Leadership Institute, she draws on the latest insights from agile practices, neuroscience, and human-centered design. Get ready for a conversation that explores the fascinating intersection of human behavior and change. Welcome the incredible Lena Ross to the show. Wow. Thank you, John, for that amazing introduction. Now you've set such a high benchmark. I've got to make sure I can get there. <laughs> <laughs> I know you can. And for everyone listening, I am a major fan of Lena's. I have her book on my desk. Uh, I love it because it's not just about business, it's about mindsets as well, which we'll delve into. We uh, also share a bit of a career aspiration, although <laughs> Lena, <laughs> Lena actually made it there. So if people might remember from the previous episode with Matt Greening, how I talked, he asked me what my career aspirations were growing up and it was it to be a builder, to be in the army or to be an air steward. Lena has early on in her career, has been a flight attendant, and your journey is super impressive. How did you get into the field of human behavior and change management from flight attendant to thought leader in, in the change area? Wow, that's it was possibly a windy path. I um, started my my first job was actually to be a flight attendant and not one that my parents thought was particularly suitable after finishing an undergrad. So I remember saying to my parents, oh, I'm only going to do this for a couple of years, you know, so I can travel around a bit and build my confidence and then I'll settle down into, you know, what might be a bit more stable or apparently stable. And I started flying and it wasn't something I wanted to leave after two years. Those first two years just went so quickly. It was so much fun. It was domestic flying and it was with TAA, which predated Australian Airlines and then Australian Airlines became is now Qantas Domestic. What I discovered though was that within that airline there was a career path. In in that one of the first things I did that I really loved which probably started that windy path to where where I am now is I became an in-flight trainer, trained other people, I love doing that and then ended up working at the Flight Attendant Training Centre, training the newbies as they came on board 
And, of course, every day is an exploration in human behaviour when you've got a plane load of at least 100 people, if not more, you know, trying to read what they want, managing objections, managing difficult customers, placating them and calming them down. So you you learn, even though they train you for that, you really are learning as you're doing it and learning what works and what doesn't work and what what to hang on to and what to let go of. So, you you know, started to learn a lot about myself and how I responded to those situations. But my last job when I was flying was I was a duty flight attendant duty manager. So I did end up having a career path there, ended up doing it for 13 years. I, I think my parents ended up seeing that, yes, look, there is something in here. It's not just flying around, having mm-hmm. fun, although yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> they, they were quite accepting. Then it set... So I think it set me in good stead for other jobs because I had done a fair bit within that career path in 13 years and love it. I mean, I look back fondly on that and that is some, they were some of the best years. I've got friends from flying. So it was really unique. And one thing that, it, that was unique about it, John, was you were rewarded. I mean, you, you had to be fairly customer-focused but also very team-focused to be a flight attendant and what was something that really struck me when I went from from an airline role into a a corporate role, not that airline isn't corporate but it's a whole different culture, was the team focus wasn't there. People were were rewarded for individual performance through bonuses and that was a big aha moment for me and realising that I was too team focused. Every time I would talk, it'd be, we did this, we did that. And I remember one of my leaders saying to me, no, you did that. You need to, you need to talk yourself up a bit more. So there were some interesting contrasts as well. Yeah, that, uh, that self-promotion. I really like though, even from your first job and you're thinking about the human interactions, the awareness to think how did I deal with that or how could I deal with that better and, and having those daily experiences with hundreds of hundreds of people to learn and grow through those exchanges. So that is that's marvelous even from even from the get-go. And so then I, so you're in learning and development after that as you mentioned. And now you are one of the I was gonna say preeminent or eminent, I don't know if I've said that right. But you're a massive thought leader in the area of change in this country and it wouldn't surprise me if it's the world. So you've created the Agile Change Leadership Institute. You've co-created that with Dr. Jen. From. From. (laughs) (laughs) I'm never going to get that right. Hang on a sec. Um, Think of arm. From. Yeah, from. Yeah. (laughs) So you've co-created uh, or co-founder of the Agile Change Institute. Who did you create that with and uh, what was the inspiration for that? Well, we had Dr. Jen was had conversations of change. My practice when we first met up was Change Hacks. But just slightly before that, we worked together at NAB and our paths crossed there and after we both left NAB, we caught up because Jen invited me to speak on a podcast about um, how humans are hardwired to respond to change. So there's the behaviour link again. And as Jen and I got talking, we realised that we were both writing our first books. 
And our first books were, my first book is the one you've got, which is Hacking for Agile Change. Jen's first book is Conversations of Change. And we realised that not only were we both writing our first books, they were going to be launched about the same time. And we thought instead of having separate book launches where we're going to, you know, to probably target the same audience, let's share the bar tab and let's just have a joint book launch, which was July 2017. And that was the start of a great collaboration because following that, we were asked, I remember there was a time Jen and I were pitching for the same piece of work and because Jen and I were in touch, we each, you know, we spoke about it and we said, let's just pitch for it together. So that was the start of collaborating, working together with this big client in financial services. And it was it was a great buzz because when we facilitated our first session with this client, we, at the end of it, I, I went to Sydney and Jen ran it in Melbourne and we ran it, we kind of co-facilitated, but two groups, if that makes sense. The client said to us, oh, we can tell you've done, you two have been working together for a long time. This is, um, <laughs> this is working really well. You guys are good. And I thought, no, it wasn't. It was our first time, but that's okay. That's a good sign. Yeah, yeah very good sign. <laughs> really good sign. So that continued for a while until it became, I think we just got to the point where, hey, we may as well just do this. As, as, a, as one, you know, like as one brand and come together and do it. So that's Agile Change Leadership Institute was formed in 2019. Great. And you yeah. offer courses and training? and Yeah, and mainly e-learning, um, face-to-face or in-person, um, especially yeah. since COVID, you know, I think the minds, the mindsets have really opened to doing things virtually, mm. which, which was a great opportunity for us. We also co-authored the Agile Change Playbook. I love working in the corporate arena in agile environments because it's very human orientated, very team orientated. Uh, talk about a lot about mindsets and, and learning as you go. And that's, that's encouraging. You don't make mistakes. You have learning experiences and things like that. And I love that attitude and that mindset. So how in your work, how do you deal with or how do you encourage growth mindsets? And I guess on the opposite end of the scale, if you're finding someone that's a little bit uh, challenging, how how do you deal with that kind of mindset to help them have some breakthrough thinking and results? One of the, I think one of the most powerful things with the mindset is, in my experience, is if you model certain behaviours and ways of thinking, you have a lot more influence than you think. So if you are surrounded by people, for example, who are modelling a way of thinking or doing that is different to yours, if you're reasonably self-aware, you'll start to think that's not how I do things. So, And if you see that person being, being successful, and this is how I learned a lot in my early years as a flight attendant was how other people were perhaps dealing with difficult passengers or you know, with potential conflict that could have escalated, but how they are able to diffuse it. So it's amazing how much can rub off by spending time with those people and observing. And there's that thing called social or emotional contagion where, you know, that the mood spreads and there's the ripple effect. So that is very powerful. Aside, obviously, from, you know, training sessions, but for me it's been more about modelling and then talking about, you know, when I do this this way, it really works. Or if you do the same thing the same way, you will get the same results. So if people are happy with the result they're getting, then they're going to keep doing things the same way. Sometimes it needs, 
you need either adversity or some sort of nudge, which is why I created those Pondify cards that we can talk about later, because some people don't stop and think, or it's not even an indictment on their character. It's just that we're getting so busy that sometimes we don't stop, reflect and think about what we did or didn't do and what can we do better or stop, start, continue. And that was one of the drivers behind creating that tool as well. And sometimes I've said to leaders, and they've agreed with me, using the tool to kick off the conversations is better than just kicking off the conversation because then you think, oh, why are they talking about this? Where's this coming from? <laughs> So what do you mean about using the tool? Okay, using the tool are things like the Pondify cards or conversation yep. starter cards. So asking yep. to reflect, like reflect on a time when you wish you had said something differently or done something differently right. or been more curious yep. or yep. observed something more closely. And that forces you then to think potentially on things you've done that you thought you could do better or differently. Yep. But right. often the nudge comes from also things not going well for you and you need mm -hmm. to think what why is this happening what what do i need to do to change this because if i don't do anything it's just going, probably going to continue unless i just you know run away or leave the organization or get get away yeah, from I've, this situation i've heard life has a tendency to keep turning up the heat unless you do take some action or do change <laughs> I love that. I love that. I say I say to people, the lesson will be repeated until you learn it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also like how I read something of yours where you said, Well, what's the alternative? Yeah, if I so, don't if yeah, I don't do it. Yeah, yeah if I yeah, don't change. Yeah. You know, what what is the alternative? And it's usually not attractive. Yeah, that's that's. I'm glad you remembered that because I don't remember, didn't even remember that. But <laughs> it's um, yeah, that that is a good idea as well. It's it's interesting, isn't it? It really is interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, you asked me earlier on about human behaviour. I could just sit in a cafe and just watch people all day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well, I've I've mentioned how I've got your uh, agile for hacking for change, which has over fifty cool fifty cool. That's 50 practical. That's and a good, proven I love that new word. They're, I've got 50 yeah. calls. 50 calls in my yeah. listicle. I love it. <laughs> Fantastic. And some of the mindset hacks that you have in, in there is that you talk about is the power of thought, the power of now, and the power of relaxed alertness. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> At least I remembered that from 2017 because <laughs> I practiced them. Yeah. Can I ask you to elaborate more on those three for us? Yeah, sure. So you mentioned, I'll start with the power of now. So the power of now is, and I am so guilty of this, so I really need to focus on being mindful because I'll race ahead, I'll think about what I need to say next, I'll worry about what happened yesterday, what's going to happen tomorrow, and I forget about today. So the power of now is really stopping and even labelling what you're how you're feeling and what you're thinking and the little words to live by with that one is if you can name it you can tame it so if you are in the now but you're feeling agitated or upset about something particularly the the naming it and taming it does really calm the amygdala which is the emotional reaction to threat and that is really powerful to really bring you into the moment and that awareness to how you're feeling 
So I love that little saying. I, can, I couldn't find the attribution of who came up with that, but it does come from the field of psychology. So that's one that I love that really goes hand in hand with the power of now. The other one with the power of now, which, which I find really works well for me, is learn sometimes to observe, don't absorb. And this is about this energy and this contagion that we were talking about earlier. Sometimes it's easy to get caught up in the moment, in things, and you just need to learn when to step back and don't absorb it and think, yeah. I need to get more information on this. I, I need to find out more. The 24-hour all, I need to sleep on it and see how I feel about it tomorrow. All these things, I think, that come with experience and having some really horrible times that you, know, you think, I don't want to go through this again. <laughs> what do I have to do differently? So there are a couple of tips on the power of now. What? Yeah, I love that observing thoughts or just observing rather than ab absorbing yeah it's, uh, super super powerful it's almost like being the third person or stepping back to going oh isn't that interesting that i would be thinking that or i'd be behaving like that or oh look at that that going on right now mm. i love that and the because now is all we have as well so i love that um power of now there's an expression that i've heard that i use sometimes which is wherever your hands are be there that's great yeah i love that yeah, yeah. Uh, so because your hands are in the now, so and they're attached to you, so be with them. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, lo loving that. And then so the other two is the power of thought and the power of relaxed... Uh, alertness. Alertness. Yeah. Let's go to the power of thought. So the power of thought is really you are what you think. Yes. Okay, so that manifests and that is something it's so easy to say to people. It's such a platitude, oh, just be positive, you know, people have got it worse off than you and stuff like that. And it's really not very helpful to people who are not in a good place. It took me a while to learn that. So the power of thought is really, you know, if you think about like energy, attracts like. And if you really try, you know, and sometimes this is faking it till you make it. And I don't like faking it till I make it because I feel like such an imposter, but if you actually put on the brave face and, and try and choose your attitude, it does really work. But you need to do it a couple of times to see the results. You know, mm -hmm. if, if you do start thinking differently, then different things will start happening to you. I love that, Lena. And why not choose your thoughts? Mm intentionally and have have that intention to say today I'm going to be this way I'm going to do my very best to be this way and I'd like to think this way and if a negative thought comes into my mind like oh I don't know if I can do this am I just kidding myself or whatever observe that yeah and let it and let it float away yeah yeah that's right and see that's not congruent with what I decided yeah. how I'm going to be today yeah and, and that links to the power of now as well so there's a big overlap there is um mm. being mindful you know like you said like catching it catching it before yeah. it builds a postcode of its own you know <laughs> yeah I like yeah. that expression yeah and not attaching not attach, attaching any meaning to it mm. so I, I had that thought great that's what happened I yeah. had a thought See you later. Yeah, great, uh, great approach. And relaxed alertness is, mm. um, oh, my God, this is a big one because this is also linking to something that I'm very big on, which is having a state change or, or going and doing something different, especially if you've got a big thing that you want to do, like write a book. You need to go somewhere completely different. And relaxed alertness is, uh, you, you've read the book, so you know what I'm talking about, but the state of alpha, like your brain has four different waves, if you like, and relax we're always in beta which is 
you know, where, where we're at, you know, the mind's just buzzing away. There's lots of things happening. We're multi-tracking and we're overwhelmed now. We're fully overwhelmed with what's going on. So a relaxed alertness is going into an alpha state, which sometimes is difficult to induce. Meditation can bring on an alpha state. But an alpha state also happens when you you could be driving and then you start thinking your thoughts are racing because you're doing something where you're you're unconsciously competent. So you're focusing less on some things like having a shower, going on a walk, driving, maybe even just sitting down, having a cup of coffee in a different place. And then your mind goes because you're in a state of relaxed alertness. And this is where, oh, I don't know how to describe it, but that veil between there's a veil that's kind of lifted so you start exploring things or thinking about things that you may have never gone before. Just And they're just new ideas like, oh, that's a good idea. How did I get that idea? And this is how I was getting a lot of ideas and things to put the book together. And they would happen at the weirdest times. So I have to carry a notebook or make sure I've got my phone with me because I can't let them go it's amazing what you forget as well and sometimes even if you're drifting off to sleep you know that state between sleep and awake I love that state but it doesn't last for very long it's like twilight it goes way too quickly <laughs> and and then it's really hard to get out of that state and write down stuff if it is that if you're having your alpha state between beta and then falling asleep so but it, it's look for ways I guess to get get into an alpha state because it's really hard if you say, I want to go into alpha now in alpha state. So how do I do that? That's really hard too, because you're trying too hard. <laughs> yeah. So I think we can all kind of think about times where we did feel like our mind was a bit more relaxed. Uh, like you're saying, you, 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 gave those, you gave those examples. So it's what I'm hearing that it's in that state where you can, new ideas can come to you, you can bring new ideas and you can create I guess, because you don't have that noise around you of what, yeah. what else is going on. Yeah. And and what I love about that state for me is, and I'm sure this isn't just unique to me, it would happen to lots, is, is joining dots where you don't think dots connect at all. It's, it's seeing, wow, seeing these connections and then, okay, look, sometimes I've made connections which are just maybe a bit too wild, but a lot of them have been good connections. I can't think yep. of any right now, but if I do, as we keep talking, I'll, yep. <laughs> I'll bring it to the surface. But yeah, no worries, no worries. The other thing that, well, lots of things that I've got from 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 your writings is the human behaviour aspects, and you've talked a bit about where primates, especially in a work environment. We're primates in an office environment. Now, I know for a lot of listeners, they, they will be in an office environment or at least can appreciate that or, you know, in some kind of some kind of work environment. So those primal instincts and behaviours and things like that come out in, in that environment. I think it's so important for us to realise that we have socially progressed maybe more than we have, uh, I was going to say instinctually, but do you know what I mean? Can oh, you... yeah, yeah, for sure. Can you talk talk more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I look, I look at it like software and hardware. So the hardware is our brain that has not changed a lot in hundreds of thousands of years, the way our brain is put together. But the software has had regular upgrades. You know, we wear suits or, or nice clothes. We, we read, we write, we do things very differently to what we did when we lived on the savannah, but our brain is still on the savannah. 
It's still primal. It's still the instincts are still to survive. Any change in that environment could represent threat to your life, which is why, you know, we often respond to change with a response. I won't say resistance, but there's definitely an emotional response to change. Sometimes a change in an environment is a good change. You know, people assume resistance, but not always. Yep. Well, that actually helped me, and it did actually help me in a job interview, actually, Lena. Because, oh, right, okay. Yeah, because someone asked me, how do you deal with resistance? Mm. And I said, well, I guess one of the things to establish, is it just someone that wants to have a chat about how they feel about the change, or is it really resistance? Because mm. it might not be resistance. Yeah. It might be once I've discussed how I feel about it, I'm happy to embrace the change. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. great. That, that's, that's a nice story, isn't it? Because when, you know, you talk, it's, it's a really common interview question, isn't it, too, mm-hmm. for change mm-hmm. practitioners. And yeah. it really comes often, as does a lot of literature, from that place of assumption that every response will be resistance, but there's such a range of responses. And some yeah. of them are excitement. Like, hey, if I'm the change initiator and I'm going to get a big burn, fat bonus at the end of it for implementing this, I'm I'm in happy mode, you know. I'm in total reward mode. So yeah, I'm yeah. feeling very differently to the person at the other end. And it's understanding yeah. that as well. So the hardwired thing is about, yeah, we will when we see something that changes, we think it's loss, you know, and that primal response is loss and threat is a lot more intense than the one of reward. It's something that stays, it has a deeper imprint on our brain. Yep. Yep. And and the great thing, John, is that we can see this happening with, you know, neuroimaging technology. You know, once upon a time, we would talk about it and, and psychologists and sociologists would observe people and do their studies on it through observation. But now we can put imaging technology on their heads and actually see what's happening in their brain and it's so exciting because you can say okay so when we introduced that stimuli then the response was threat but when we did this one it was reward and we're learning we're still learning so much about that yeah well the brain is the most complex object in the known universe <laughs> amazing totally amazing <laughs> it's like yeah. we, could, we could talk we could talk forever yeah, yeah about yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we could. And I guess too that's why sometimes, well, that's why a lot of the media is so negative because we respond to that as human beings a lot uh, more emotionally than we do with the uh, good news stories. That's why the news yes. is full of bad news. That's yeah. why they're all ambulance chasers. Yeah, exactly. Because as consumers, whether we like it or not, yeah. we gravitate more towards that. Yeah, and that's and that links to observe, don't absorb too. Because if you listen to mainstream media every day and you absorb it, you you know, I talk to a lot of people and have random conversations and a lot of people are just saying, oh, it's, you know, everything's terrible at the moment. And it, look, things aren't good, but they're, they, I really get the vibe that they're absorbing a lot mm. and it's a lot mm. of it is outside our circle of influence and it's another little, um, little, little, you know, if you like a mantra that I live by. Yep. Is uh, which helps with that observe, don't absorb. If I can't do anything about it, mm. um, yes, I have empathy. Yes, you know, there's a lot of things that I wish for in the world, mm. but mm. a lot of it is really outside what we could do. Yeah, well, a previous guest, Victor Purton, known as the Optimism Man, he is an advocate for for exactly what you're saying. If you are, if you are going to watch the news, 
uh, observe, don't absorb. But he recommends maybe not even watching the news as well. <laughs> I think that's because, good. <laughs> well, uh, having an idea of what's going on out there, but one of, he made a really point that, that stayed with me is, what are you going to do about it anyway? Mm. So sure, we know there's troubles in the world here, troubles in the world there, and that's that's probably you need to know that something like that might be happening. But to get deep down into it, if, if you're not going to do anything about it, you know, fill your mind and and your and your person with other things that can make a positive contribution to the world because that's that's going to be more meaningful than watching bad news stories. Yeah. And that's a good point, isn't it? Because you, you know how you feel if you run into someone that's got a, a lot of positive energy. It, it, it's catchy. Mm. You feel mm. good after you've spoken to someone who's quite uplifting and positive about things, but the reverse happens if that person is a bit down and negative. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So let's talk about greatness and success. Okay. So, <laughs> I know you're very humble, but I see you as a very, very oh, successful, thank you. successful um, person. And so I'm really interested in how your definition of success yeah, has, I, I've has got defined. a I've got a story to share about that one. Sure. Success is very subjective. So obviously mm-hmm. what I think is successful isn't maybe what other people think. But it really hit me. I, I did an MBA late, later in my life and I didn't do it. For the same reasons a lot of other people do it and that's not I'm not trying to um to label people here but it became quite apparent we were in a uh, we we're having a discussion in actually a lecture and the lecturer said why why are we all here so it was very existential for an MBA which was very, <laughs> very left brain but you know I love those conversations and this lecturer was one that was particularly good with sharing some of his wisdom and people were there because and they, they were sharing this and that was fine. They wanted to get a better job. They wanted to make more money. They wanted to be in the C-suite. They really wanted, you know, vertical career success and promotion. And I remember sitting there thinking, I don't want that. I don't think I want that. I don't think I'm here for that. And I remember speaking out and saying, I don't think I, that's what I want. I think I came, well, I'm pretty sure I came here to learn, meet other people and see what I find out what I didn't know that could help me. It was obvious that I was in the in the minority. After that conversation, a few people, a very small group, said we we think the same. And it reminded me of a saying that not all that glitters is gold. You know, if you if you attach yourself to the one particular definition of success, you might miss a lot of other things that you know come your way. That could be hugely successful but for me um, so, so we have this MBA group now a chat group called the MBA outliers because <laughs> maybe thought a little bit differently to a lot of them but people do have these epiphanies as life goes on that you know it's not everything you know for me it's about success for me so you asked about my definition for success success for me is having just enough to do what I want okay so it's having just enough, perhaps, financial stability to be able to take a little bit of time out to write a book, to be able to take time out to go on a holiday when I want to, to be able to leave an organisation um, if I don't yeah. like working there or don't like the people or culturally, you know, the values are kind of hurting my soul because it's a little bit different to what I'm aligned to. Yeah. So for me, um, success is having that level of autonomy 
to to be able to do those things and really you know having a choice and being able to to explore the creative side and things like that because I know that if all I did since I left uni was just like hang around and write a book I wouldn't have even had the financial stability to do that so you do need a bit of both but I don't need to be at the top in an organization to feel successful but it's it's interesting because it's nice to hear you said that you know your perception was that I'm successful and and I think I am because I'm doing what I want to do yeah yeah you yeah. have the freedom you have the freedom yeah. to do what you want to do that, yeah and and the biggest definition. buzz biggest buzz for me John is hearing people like you saying what you got out of my book I mean I'm more interested in that than how many books I sell mm-hmm. you know someone I'd rather hear one person say oh I remember that from your book or this resonated with me than just like you know being an Amazon bestseller but not hearing anything from anyone. <laughs> yeah. yeah well you helped me get that job so that was good oh I don't... well I am so touched about that that's made my day <laughs> I don't think anyone in the interview the other candidates would have said well hang on a minute are they actually resisting or do they just want to have a chat about it before they embrace the change so maybe that was the maybe that was the difference I love that you got you got to stand out don't you so yeah. I love that <laughs> yeah. that's right that's right now, I know talking about freedom to do what you want, I know you've been getting into playing poker these days oh, and the yeah. parallels between that and mindsets and things like that we've mentioned uh, off air are very fascinating. So let's dive into that. Yeah, okay, because I also think what's important for your mindset is not being the expert at everything. I think it's important to go and do something for the first time mm. and interestingly the person who got me into poker is someone I'm coaching in change right she's there's probably a whole generation between this young lady and myself she started talking to me about poker and mindset and said you must come along I'll coach you so then there's you know the whole reverse coaching element came in about being coached by someone it it was this was really good to get my beginner to kick off my beginner mindset and feel vulnerable again, which I think is a great, it's like it's like a reboot mm-hmm. for your whole mindset because mm. you're going to that place where you're consciously incompetent at something, again, which and being the type of person that I am would go always go home and think, okay, what did I do? What, did I do different, what can I do differently and so forth? So the poker exploration led to a little bit of coaching and then going and playing. There's only two ways I think you can play poker where we live here, and that is you either go to the casino, which was way too scary for me, <laughs> and, or go to tournament poker, which is smaller games in the pub, so you've just got a fixed buy-in. So I did that. Right, so you went into the pub. Yeah. Went to the pub. I'm going to be playing I'm going to be playing poker tonight. And is this like a when you when you say the tournament, so if you win that event, then you go on to another event. Is that how it you that win works, you win points. So right, you right, you right. it's like a knockout. So once your chips it's a fixed buy-in, once your chips have gone, you're out. It makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So um it, it's well, survival put, of you're not gonna put your watch down as collateral, are you? <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't think you're allowed to do that. No. And, you know, this is scary because you walk in and then there's these tables and there's these people you don't know and you mm. feel really vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I wasn't capable because I was still learning. I knew that I wasn't really confident. Mm-hmm. I know that luck also plays a role. And then the other thing that, that I learnt, John, about the mindset is you've got to be pretty resilient even good poker players don't always win. 
Right. They call it tilting, which is a really interesting word. Mm. So if you're having a bad run, you are tilted. You, you must be very mindful to not get tilted and go off your game. So your mind, your mindset has to put up with that, recovering from loss. Obviously, there's the bluffing, which I'm not quite there yet. I just play like a typical beginner and play good hands and play it quite safe. But it's it's learning that and having that resilience and watching other people like, mm. you know, trying to work out it when because I love micro behaviours and things like that. So one of the things I'm really interested in now is starting to learn about the micro expressions at a poker table to tell, you know, are they bluffing? Do they have a good hand and stuff like that? So that, that has opened up a whole range of things that are so aligned with what I love learning about and watching. Unfortunately, I don't think I can just sit at a poker table and watch and, and not even yeah. have to concentrate on my own play. Yeah, but that yeah. would be great. But you can watch you can watch live games. I've, I've learned you can watch live games on Facebook, so that would be yeah. fun. Yeah, nice. And what sort of mindsets are you using as you play, apart from that inquisitive mindset and learning and observing, you're finding that some of the things that you think are impacting the game style? The way I think, particularly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm probably, a, like, I love to learn. So what is really interesting, you know how I said before, I think I said before, if you do the same thing the same way, you're going to get the same result. So I probably played about, five or six games now in this tournament style poker which is mm -hmm. not a lot but I did make final table once which was by I think luck you know, you know how I said there are all these elements in there I'm sure it was luck and I had good hands because I I know that I was a risk averse player so because I've watched now a lot of videos and I've got my little coach you know and she helps me it's trying something different and then going back and applying that different approach and, you know, interestingly, just by trying that and, and feeling like you know more, that confidence must exude in a way that, you know, you know, it's one of those things you can't put your finger on mm, where, mm. where you go in. It's like that attitude that I spoke about, like choose your attitude, like choose my confidence level before I walk in the room. Obviously, yeah. the first time I was there, it would have been quite, it would have had beginner written all over me. But sometimes now I just like <laughs> try and getting better at masking perhaps some of my yep. thoughts. Well, I, I love the example of, of doing that though. So breaking out of your comfort zone, doing something differently, getting coached by by someone else, throwing your hat and all your hard-earned cash into the ring as well to, to be able to learn and going into it with a curiosity mindset and having a bit of fun along the way. Absolutely. Yeah, and Fantastic. look, look buy-in isn't that much, okay? Yeah. So buy-in buy into these tournaments is less than the cost of one of my books. So it's what I'll <laughs> never that, – that's, and that's why, John, I stayed away from the casino because that's where, you know, you, you could just keep pulling money out and playing. So yeah, yeah. at least there's a, there's a cutoff and there's yeah. a, you know, there's a limit and there's boundaries around there as well, yeah, which yeah. I really like. Yeah. yeah, yeah, nice, yeah. nice. Yeah. Well, you've got me inspired. Who uh, I love poker, but I haven't played it in years. So I haven't. Oh, at least you've played it. You, you would, you'd be starting from a very good place. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to go to one of those pubs with you when you go. We just established before the show. Yeah. That, uh, we don't live very far away from each other. I know. I'll tell you. I'll. I'll. I can let you know all those things. And, and right. I'll bring the. I'll bring the coach along. She's very good. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Sounds like a great night. Sounds like a great night. 
You've talked about some of the habits and rituals that you already kind of have to contribute to your personal and professional growth. Is there anything else that sticks out, some of the things that you do and you think to to achieve those uh, great results um, in your life? Just, yeah, there's a couple of things, John. One is, I mean, I'm an, I've been told I'm an overthinker and I know I'm an overthinker. And Yeah, I think a lot of us are and it's really good you say that because there'll be people listening that do that. I'm the same as well, I'm a bit of a perfectionist as well. Sometimes I've got to pull myself up and go, John, it's okay. <laughs> Everything's going okay. Don't be impatient. Go through the process, take the next step, do what you need to do. But uh, yeah. no, back, back over to you, Lena. I, and, you know, people say say you're an overthinker. You know, when people tell you you're an overthinker, they often say it like it's a bad thing, like, oh, you're overthinking it, you know, and stuff mm, like mm, that. Mm, mm. So, you know, you've got to take the blessing and the curse that comes with that. So the <laughs> blessing is if you are an overthinker and you are finding that you're using a lot of your brain energy, which I have in the past and probably still do, on ruminating over things and, you know, why did I say that and why did I do that is really turning, using that energy wisely into like like a retrospective, if you like, or a stop, start and continue. Okay, mm. so, yes, that's on my mind because I, and I'm overthinking it because it's on my mind for a reason is what should I stop doing, start doing and continue doing? What can I take? What's the lesson here? What do I need to do differently? There's also, with that also comes the self-belief, you know, that you can do that when you're overthinking. The thing that comes to mind with that is Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. That's a great story. It's so rich in metaphors, so many metaphors that we can't even go into, but the most powerful one for me is she had the power all along. She yep. just didn't know it. When you overthink something and you're beating yourself up and you think you haven't been perfect and or someone says something to you to tilt you, because I love using that word now, tilt, mm. is don't don't let it happen. Just remember you've got you have got the power to do what you want to do. You don't have to often rely on external forces or external factors to create that for you. You know, finding that within yourself is very, very empowering. That is a wonderful lesson from that story and there's a fair few self-help, self-personal development people that I, that I listen to and one of the, some of their key messages is to, um, you know, get out of your own way and just... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and do it. So I guess that that links into that over overthinking. But I love how you put that. It's it's not necessarily a bad thing. And I think it was Henry Ford or someone um, like that that said thinking is some of the hardest work that you can do. Yeah. So so yeah, I like that you don't put a negative connotation on it. It's just that's not serving you at the moment to shift that shift that a little bit. I, I like Ma- make it your superpower if that's if that's who you yeah. are. Yeah. 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 Magnificent. Magnificent. And I have been severely impacted by my mother, as a lot of people have in a good way. <laughs> I should rephrase that. It sounded really bad, didn't it? My mother's no longer with us, but she's with me every day. And yes. she taught me she taught me so much. And I notice you've got a bit of mother's wisdom about I guess it's talking about worrying and not needing to drink the whole ocean. Oh yeah, but but before we go into that, John, yeah, l- l- remind me and possibly the people listening to this who didn't hear your other podcast, mm. what what the your mother's words of wisdom were, which really resonated with me about worrying. Yeah, nice, thanks. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. She said it's don't time don't worry until it's time to worry. Yeah, and the thing about that is it's usually not time to worry. 
Yes, I love it. I love yeah. it. And yeah. um and and you know that was so cool to hear that because it reminded me of the impact that that kind of wisdom from you know your parents or that other generation yeah. has on me as well and things you know you've grown up with that have just become part of you. Yeah. That you yeah. carry with you and you forget. And my mother has has also passed, but I still remember things. I mean, my parents spoke French at home. So a lot of the things that they, they said were in, were in that language. But my mum had a saying that was, which means you literally don't have to drink. This isn't about drinking the ocean. It means you don't have to drink the whole ocean for this. And sometimes we hear this translated, don't we? If this, isn't, this problem isn't about we don't have to boil the ocean, I yeah. think, is probably the, yeah. um, the English translation of that. And I, I remember sometimes I would get worried about things and, she would say that and I remember thinking, I didn't think much at the time except when I threw it back at her when I got into trouble when I was very young <laughs> for going out late and, and mum and dad both ganged up on me and said, you know, you're this, this and this and you shouldn't have gone out and you said you were going to be home at this time. And I just remember looking at them, I don't know where it came from, obviously it was ingrained in me and I said, ce n'est pas la mer à boire. And then they just thought, all oh, right. Okay. So it's like that that moment you have when someone's throwing back your own wisdom at you, and you just have, <laughs> you just you have to swallow it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Having that awareness, and you've mentioned it a few times in, in the in the show, is about observing. So if you can step back and, and and instead of being in that forest, just step back and go, oh wow, I am worrying too much what's that all about and you said something earlier as well that i think would be really helpful to me and others is you can ask yourself what do i need to stop doing what can i start doing and what should i be continuing to doing because i think the first thing to stop doing is going okay is worrying going to have an impact on this situation probably not is some action or a different way of thinking about this issue going to help Probably. Yeah. <laughs> so from there, where can I go? As well as using the body to enhance the mind and all that all that other kind yeah. of things as well. Art Mother's great. Yes. Well, and you just threw me then. You said, oh, we spoke French at home. What's going on there? Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Parents came from Egypt in Alexandria. Mother's side Greek, father's side Italian, but they spoke nearly all those languages. But French was their national language. In Egypt, so that was the, that was the first language at home. Italian was the second language, and English, of course. So yeah. they spoke English as well, but it was just what was spoken in the house. Yeah, right. So you're yeah. multilingual. Not as well as I should be, <laughs> given the years I've spent in that type of upbringing. But I do understand those languages quite well. Yeah, nice, yeah. nice, nice. Good to good to learn a little bit more about your background. Now, we have a Spotify playlist called Merco Motivation, which is there for our listeners and myself. It's really nice when I listen to it because every time I hear a song from it, I go, oh, yeah, that's from that's from when, you know, Emily, whatever, or that's from Matt or that's whatever. So I'd love to know, do you have a song or can you throw out a few songs that you or pieces of music that you might use to pump yourself up or put yourself mm. into, a, into a state where you're going to be thinking and doing things for greatness? Good question, because when I wrote the books, I did go away to a country place. So I had the state change and I was playing music from the Buddha Bar collection. Mm -hmm. So Buddha Bar apparently is a, a bar or was a bar in Paris and they play very eclectic music. 
Mm-hmm. So Buddha Bar music was really nice. I really love the song. There's some songs that I really love, like I really love Fade Out Lines and <laughs> I really love um, Bob Dylan, like Times Are A-Changing. That's kind of like a bit of a change mantra. Yeah, <laughs> It's a bit corny, but I love, you know, there's some songs like that, that when I hear them, you know, I kind of, yeah, you know, music, I should have said music can really change your, help you go into an alpha state. I forgot to mention that, but Baroque music particularly, which is a a form of classical music from a specific Mm. period, Mm. is something that the beats in it, you know, match your heartbeat. Right. And there's something in there that resonates where I think it can help. They say it helps you go into alpha. There was, a, there was a book called The Mozart Effect, which was along those lines as well, about what Mozart music can, can do to help your brain. I have heard classical music can help you study. Um, mm. But I'm going to look up yours. What was yours called? Merco Motivation. Merco Motivation on okay. Spotify. Okay, and, look that up. Uh, yeah, there's only one playlist called Merco Motivation. Okay. So that's good. Cool. <laughs> and it's, and it's, I started it with... The first two songs that I was actually at the gym at the time and I shazammed the songs. I thought, oh, this is really motivational. And I started it that way and I thought, no, all the guests that I have on, I'd like to create a list of songs that they enjoy. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. So the idea is you can listen to it and listen to it and feel great. Yeah. Nice. I'll be adding one of those ones that you mentioned to the list as well. Another thing I like to ask all my guests is, what do you wish that I asked you today? <laughs> what do you need to let go of? What do, maybe what, maybe that was on my list of things to talk about mindset and yep. the importance of letting go. Yeah, we'll talk about it, yeah. So, so. I'll, just, I'll just do that quickly because I know we're coming close to time. But sure. I think what's important especially for your self-belief and to keep yourself in a really good space is knowing when you need to let go of people who are getting in your way as well. Right. And this this can be really hard if they're people you've known for a long time or they're yep. people who are close to you. Yep. And it's knowing, you know, are they bringing you down a little bit? Are they gaslighting a little bit? Sometimes it's so subtle you don't even know. Mm. But you know after you've, you've spent time with them that you, you don't feel so good or they have little goes at you to bring you down. And I think it's acknowledging that there's a reason and a season. They might have served a purpose at some point of time in your life, but mm. it's being really brave and strong about letting go. Now, if you can't if you can't cull them, because maybe they're family members, you know, or <laughs> people you've got to see every Christmas or something like that, is just creating a an invisible barrier so they don't reach you anymore so tell them less about what you're doing so then there's less to attack and really protecting it's really protecting your own space you don't you aren't impacted by negativity around you it's really important because I'm, I'm probably an empath so I pick up on that energy and it does get to me if I if I'm not mindful about it yeah, no, fair enough. And I, that's a common theme in a lot of the episodes where we talk about being mindful of who you hang around with because it can be, uh, it has a major impact on, on on your thinking and who you are and and having that awareness to know that, okay, when I'm around this person, I'm uplifted. When I'm around this person, I don't know what it is. Sometimes you do know what it is, but it's like, well, I don't feel that way or I'm always come away feeling less than what I'd like to, to be. Mm. So 
to make that conscious choice to say I'm going to have more of the positive impact than than otherwise, I think it's a very important way to, to live life. And for you, John, because you, you will become a motivational speaker and an author, success earns many enemies. So just be mindful of those people who get attracted to your orb, but they're not there for the right reasons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to say it's a good problem to have. <laughs> <laughs> just, it's just, I mean, and I don't want to sound conceited in saying that, but, mm. you know, what, what some people say, I mean, you know, this is because success has, is defined so differently by people too. Mm-hmm. I mean, people will see something that you're doing that really has appealed to them and it could be the podcasts or some, some area that you're doing well in or something that they wish they did mm. and it can just attract an energy that isn't, isn't particularly um, helpful for yourself. Well, thank you for looking out for me. I really appreciate yeah. that. I really appreciate that. Now, these Pontify cards, I love them. <laughs> I've got one in my hand for people that can uh, can see on YouTube. But I've got one in my hand. Uh, you have going to make something very special available to Rise and Thrive listeners. What's that? So when they hear this podcast, the first two that email, we can, we can put the email address in the show notes, can't we? Absolutely. Because I'm happy for them to email me so we can pop that in the show notes. The first two that I get, if they can email me with their address, I will send them a set of Pondify cards, which are mindfulness hacks for busy people. So really good to awaken, if you like, a mindset that might be a bit too busy and bring, bring things to the moment for you. And you can use them by yourself to ponder and create awareness and you can use them in a group situation too, can't you? Yeah, yeah. So a lot of people are using them at work in situations with teams, especially to open conversations. Some leaders are picking out the cards they want to use uh, to, to bring forward particular conversations that may be really relevant to that team. Some are using them randomly and you can use them personally. We've done it with friends. Um, sometimes they come out at Christmas time. So- <laughs> Uh, but I think poker's going to come out at Christmas time this year. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a, I've got a feeling for those, uh, well, for those listeners, because whenever you're listening to this show, we're recording it a couple of weeks out from Christmas. So I think you're going to get a few poker-related presents there, Lena. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show. I'll have all your contact details in there. It's Lena Ross. L-E-N-A-R-O-S-S dot com dot A-U to see everything that you're up to. You can order Lena's books from there. Uh, if you miss out on the giveaway, that's okay. You can still order them from the uh, from the website. Lena also offers courses there in uh, change management and various other things. They're courses for life as well. So whether, whether you're into change management or not, I just think it's a great course to do. I did hear that university courses offer change management in all their um, business courses. So there was a bit of a doom and gloom article saying, well, they won't be change managers for a while because everyone's doing it. I like the fact that people get that awareness. I still think they're going to need people like us to help. I agree. The people side of change. But I do like that this whole change thing, whether it's your business life or your personal life, this whole dealing with change is a thing because that's what, life's about really because everything's changing all the time so how you manage and work with that is going to have a major influence on your life so i love what we do how it impacts business but it also is very very relevant to our personal lives yeah 
And your and your podcasts do that, John. They're great for work-related inspiration and also personal inspiration. They've got that dual focus, which I love. Thanks, Lena. It's great to have you as a as, as a as a listener as well. That's awesome. It means a lot to me. Your time is the most valuable thing you've had, you've got, you've given it to me in spades, both before we've done this interview and during the interview. Lena Ross, you're amazing. Thanks for being on the show. So are you. Make sure people listen to your podcast. If you, this is the first one anyone's listening to, get onto John's other ones as well. Thank you. Another incredible episode of Rise and Thrive Conversations for Greatness. I hope this conversation has ignited a fire within you inspiring you to take bold steps towards your own path of greatness. Guess what? The journey doesn't end here. There's so much more to explore, learn and achieve. So if you're hungry for more insights, more inspiration and more strategies to fuel your personal and professional greatness, get ready because the next episode is just around the corner. Every Tuesday to be precise, where we'll continue to unravel the secrets to unlocking your extraordinary potential. Don't miss out on the chance to keep rising and thriving with us. Hit the subscribe button and you'll be the first to know when a new episode drops. And remember, greatness is not a destination. It's a continuous journey, so let's embark on it together. Thank you so much for being part of the Rise and Thrive community. It means so much to me that you're listening. And my wish for you is that you get so much out of doing so. Keep reaching for the stars, keep pushing your boundaries and keep embracing the challenges that come your way because that's how we truly grow. Stay tuned, stay motivated and get ready to rise and thrive. If you're finding value from our conversations, don't forget to share this podcast with your friends, family and colleagues. Together we can create a ripple effect of positivity, optimism and positive change. Keep shining brightly, your greatness knows no bounds and remember... Be great and stay awesome.